0: And guys, I hope my internet holds out. We're gonna I'm, get this. Uh, like I'm gonna have it. <laughs> uh uh. Boys. Please, Ooh. Justin, are you there? Is anyone? Is anyone here? Yeah, we're here. here? Yeah, okay. I'm here. Sorry, my I'm images Justin. have been hey, my images have been frozen. I'm gonna try and just move this whole setup closer to my router now. Oh, yeah. Guys, that was the most disruptive thing that's ever happened to Batman in quarantine.
1: You can edit that out, though, right?
0: I can absolutely edit that out, but uh, so everyone knows, Jeff had to uproot and move to a different room of his house where he's now on a very uncomfortable stool, but it's good. It's hardening my butt muscles.
1: I like the view, though. For some reason, I I like watching people on Zoom calls and things and like trying to understand where they orient themselves in their house and like see what what their home is like and thus them who they are like yeah on I'm, level.
0: I'm a big fan of doing it on the the trivia the weekly trivia call that roman and i are part of um with about 100 other people usually 75 to 100 and i i just pin random people's video and look at them <laughs> in their house and it is probably creepy but i do it because i love it yeah i do, cyber I, voyeurism. Yeah, yeah. I do it too because it is a, 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 a Hey, Justin. Hello. Ooh. Welcome, welcome everybody to Batman in Quarantine, episode 52, something we only just realized that it was. And that is cool for a handful of reasons, but I think we think it's cool because it ties into the DC Multiverse 52 thing, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's our own uh, meta marketing.
0: It is. And also, how <laughs> bizarre that, like, This is episode 52 of our podcast. And then this was the last issue of the main series to come out. Oh, I know Batman Incorporated started and then had like six issues. And then the new 52 started. Never mind. I thought it was going to be the final issue before the new 52 started. This is when we heard about it. And (laughs) have I I told you guys that story? I don't know. Tell me. I
1: was at Barnes and Noble writing um, and Luke texted me. About the new Fifty Two and how it might interrupt this run in Batman Inc. And I got like so upset, I was like freaking out about it in like nerd rage that morning. And Josh was like, I got up before him. I was at Barnes and Noble, and he was at the downtown Starbucks before he went to school. And I drove like bombed from Barnes and Noble to that Starbucks and found him and stopped him. I was like, Josh, they're gonna fuck with the damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like enraged about the <laughs> new Fifty Two because I thought it was going to somehow like wipe this away, or we wouldn't oh. get a proper ending to it. So
0: I was I was worried about it too, for like, sure. Dedicated. Roman, what's your uh, memory of the Fifty Two? The not so new uh, Fifty Two. <laughs> I well, actually, I'm
2: sorry to disappoint, but I don't remember it at at all <laughs> in context with this run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I re- I remember when the first issues came into the shop on Tuesday, and back then we were. Well, back then we were closed to the public on Tuesdays, just like now, it's all full circle. (laughs) Um, But we got the books and we had much less subs then. So we finished the files by like, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon. And then I took my JLA New 52 and whatever the Aquaman, whatever the new ones were, the first ones, and went down to Whatcom Falls Park and (sighs) read next to the stream. And I saw a mink or something across the waterway.
0: Far more interesting than far more interesting than a lot of those New Fifty Two books.
2: <laughs> yeah, <it's> the, <laughs> the, the fabled mink.
1: mink. <laughs> I, I like the JLA and the Aquaman issues. I remember digging those. Yeah. I remember Animal Man blew my yep. fucking mind because I had no idea no. about. Okay, okay. Listen, yeah, we can't do on. a podcast yeah. about the
0: New Fifty Two right yeah, now because yeah, Roman's yeah. going to have to go to work at some point here. Yeah. Well, um, to go to work? You don't have to work today. I have Mondays off. I can't remember and, my own and, and schedule, you, let alone you, yours.
2: That's true. And you know, and you know, actually, I just realized, and this is uh, that you're the mink. I wish no. This is Indigenous Peoples Day, oh, yeah. and and Fuck that yeah. ties that ties into this because of the Miyagani
0: tribe. Perfect. We're, Perfect. We're, cel- <laughs> we're
2: <laughs> celebrating by talking about the Miyagani.
0: Not only that, but I will endeavor to get this podcast up on this same day as well. Hey, before we get into this, let's just talk a little bit about scheduling. This is the final issue of this epic sort of season of this series. So I think what we'll do is probably have a new episode for Friday where we do a decompression thing like we did last time. Just, uh, hey, we finished this Omnibus. That'll be Friday. And then we'll take a week off to catch up, hopefully get some podcasts in the bank before starting Batman Incorporated. So just for all of our listeners out there, it's Monday. Look for an episode on Friday. And then we're gonna take a whole week off and hopefully you will forgive us for that. And then we'll all be together again on a Monday. We might switch to a Tuesday, Thursday at that point. My goal is to, to record in a way that can allow, ideally, the three of us to get on as often as possible. Um, and if that means just one less a week, I think that's much better than, uh, listen, we all know that the Roman and Jeff episodes were not as good as the Roman, Jeff and Justin episodes. <laughs> Thanks everyone for, yeah. for marching with us through that.
1: It's a holy trinity.
0: It is a holy trinity the three of us okay we got ourselves a a good old-fashioned bendis style artist collab issue here we've got morrison we've got cameron stewart we've got fraser irving and we've got what i think is chris burnham's first appearance in the batman world i think it's probably the first time i ever saw chris burnham's art yeah
1: i can remember the teeth to this day
0: and the and the big round chins yeah, yeah. The first time I saw Chris Burnham and
1: his the way he does his teeth, I was like, "Whoa, I like this guy." But I don't like looking at the mouths of these characters.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember being like, "Well, this is closer to the one guy that I really like,
1: mm-hmm. being Frank
0: Quitely." I was like, "This is pretty close to that." But um, so yeah, they, those three artists sort of juggle through the sequences of this event, which take us back to sort of the concretely learning some stuff about thomas wayne in the past and how he became ageless we get a final fight showdown in wayne manor between the 99 fiends and bruce batman dick batman and damian robin then we get batman chasing down dr hurt saving alfred we get a great showdown between dr hurt and the joker and then we get quite the press release from batman yes a lot of stuff
1: and i like how they distinguish in the art besides like the slight costume variances between Bruce and Dick is uh, Bruce's got a sharper nose on his face. Dick's lips are more person and Bruce's chin is just aggressively like sticking super far out of his
0: face. Yeah. I love Chris Burnham's art in this and all of his stuff, because they all look kind of like Uh adult-sized children. Uh, Yeah, they're all just sort of adult children, and I love that. Like, they all have these big heads and big eyes and kind of childish mouths, and it's bizarre.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's totally true.
0: Um, One thing I thought was interesting, I was trying to track down the dates of publication on this sort of last slurry of issues, because I remember they came out in, like, the fall, and I thought it was around my birthday. And what I actually learned is that This issue came out on my birthday in 2010, November 3rd. And I remember being really excited leading up to it because I was like, on my birthday, I'm going to go down. There's going to be a bunch of these, like the end of the Morrison era of this. Because there was also those like long road home one shots. Like there was a Mm -hmm. Stephanie Brown one and a Gordon one. They were bad. Like they were all just, like, other... They Like, they all had white covers, and yeah. there was, like, an Alfred special, and there was an Oracle special, and there was a Batgirl and a Red Robin, and they were, like, just, like, B-list creators. But anyway, a couple of those, and Batman Robin 16 came out on my birthday in 2010, so now we are almost 10 years later. It's October. That's crazy. I can remember that day.
1: vividly. Did also... The first, like there's an issue between Batman and Robin and Batman Inc. that bridges the two. I forget what that, is that just called The Dark Knight?
0: It's called The Return. The okay. Dark Knight was, I think, going to be the David Finch drawn and written miniseries and that I think got six issues in and no one wanted and bailed it out of. so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot did, about that until you just mentioned it.
1: Did The Return come out on this Wednesday too?
0: No. It looks like, and it was really hard to track down the release date of Return of Bruce Wayne 6. But in this book, that has the Return of Bruce Wayne 6 before Batman and Robin 16. But actually, as far as I can tell, November 3rd had Batman and Robin 16, and then November 10th had The Return and Return of Bruce Wayne number 6. Although some places are saying that Return of Bruce Wayne 6 came out as far back as December, which would be crazy... Anyway, just the yeah. publication history for this makes tracking it all down even more difficult.
1: I requested this stay off. Okay. <laughs>
0: oh we did God. the summary of this, this issue. Yeah. We talked we're about here in how, the barn. We're here in the barn now. Guys, <laughs> I don't feel like on my original read-through, and I, I don't know, maybe I've just done enough recon this time, but I really didn't feel like I knew or I I didn't feel like there really even was a sort of definitive explanation for who Dr. Hurt was. It was very, like, in my mind, it was just very, like, I'm not going to give you an answer. Like, it could just as easily be these three or four different things. And, And, like, I didn't have, like, the time frame created of who Thomas Wayne was. I didn't realize in my original, you know, go through that the, the hyper adapter being sent back in time is this thing that has been kind of woven through this event and in doing so is this giant You know Barbados is the hyper adapter and they're in the barn. I didn't know The pete milligan series that this opening scene is referencing we we cracked that like a couple episodes ago, Justin Yeah. we realized that this there was this mini series um, by peter milligan that showed bruce and dick doing a time travel thing with dr carter's time machine but they ultimately go back to find thomas jefferson trying to raise a demon uh with a satanist cult and they raise a giant bat or they all bail or something but anyway this takes that and twists thomas jefferson to be thomas wayne is with this group of them and and finds this bat demon in any series now yeah me too i've never read it but oh, all of I th- them th- what's that oh i thought jefferson and thomas wayne were both there Yeah, and and so they could have both been there. I haven't read that series. I mean, Thomas Wayne didn't exist at that point, I don't think. Or maybe he did. I think Uh, they're both in that issue, though. They are both in this, yeah. Yeah, I've been confused by that, too, because I don't know if if Thomas
2: Wayne, the first Thomas Wayne, Dr. Hurt, I'm still confused, was so... But Alfred knows about him, so I was like, okay, so Thomas Wayne was the real, like a real Wayne um, ancestor and he was the black sheep of the family and then mm-hmm. he just he made the deal and became long-lived
0: and became simon hurt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i read something in there today of why simon was the name he took on some articles like simon is a reference to a different character of simon within not dc continuity but like i think right. religious or something lore so that he would have become simon at that point and then yeah, simon like hurt. Simon magus it is that that is it there you go nice one
1: the first opposer of
0: jesus Um, yeah magician so for sure so yeah either they were both there as thomas jefferson and thomas wayne or it was a sort of slick way of grant to say like well there was a thomas and it was thomas wayne not thomas jefferson either way um that whole reference point is a thing i didn't have like or what this whole scene was, but sort of putting it into Bat continuity. And then, you know, ironing out that like, Dr. Hurt did make a deal with Darkseid, Barbados hyper adapter for long lived life. But my, you know, my read through originally was that like it, you know, is he the devil or is he Batman's dad or is he an ancestor? And that all felt very unanswered to me before like whereas now i feel like it is a little bit more spelled out does anyone like did you got is that your read of it how do you feel about that do you still feel like it is pretty uh answerless which i also love
1: you know maybe my memory is nebulous of it but i remember it far more nebulous in back then like it almost intact well I remember it as an intentional thing. Like he was supposed to be this murky you could never know. Right. Because I was always convinced, even though I didn't like it, I was like kind of in denial of this idea that he actually is Thomas Wayne and really Mm -hmm. didn't like that because I feel like Bruce needed like a good paternal figure in order to be good at all. So I was like, yeah, that kind of dirties the whole Batman mythos in a way. And so I remembered it really more nebulous. But now reading through this and maybe it's a – closer reading of return of bruce wayne has kind of nailed it out to me that like mm-hmm. thomas wayne isn't
0: it's not like, daddy thomas wayne it's, it's not daddy thomas great 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 grandfather thomas wayne
1: right and he's not so yeah he's not the literal devil in any way but he's demonic in the way that like dark side is is yeah that <laughs> <Dark Side> is <laughs> Um, though I think it would be weird to be an ancestor who has, wants to fight Bruce Wayne or whatever this whole time, and to go to the length of becoming Simon Hurt and pretending to be a doctor to get in his head, like, why not just snuff him out when he was that young?
0: I was wondering, like, I, what hasn't been totally ironed out is this idea that, Dr. Hurt, in my mind, what I've held is that it seems like he had access to these papers or answers, or maybe he got them from Barbados himself when he was young, but he got kind of clued in to what is happening with Bruce, and, like, he is traveling through time, and he knows that because he's found some of the papers that Bruce had left, like, earlier than that or something. But to me, it's felt like he has had a more like top down awareness of Bruce's experience than someone who's like within the stream like the time stream with him it's felt like you know he knew for example that Bruce was going to show back up in the Wayne Manor during the the eclipse or something like you know he was right. in that room with him so yeah I, that that that's the kind of confusion for me is like tying back to what you're saying like hurts motivation with seems like he wants the box for eternal life more than he wants to be fucking with bruce maybe right yeah
1: i just like simon hurt dr hurt in volume one of this whole thing was very hell-bent on destroying bruce's spirit yeah just like corroding the human goodness like he was kind of the antichrist in that way like he was there specifically and distinctly to kind of try to crush Bruce's soul or spirit. Mm-hmm. And this one, he seems more like thirsty for continuity, eternal life. Um, yeah. And so for me, like ancestor Thomas Wayne to kind of incarnating new human form of dark side, the hyper adapter stuff, this thing like that, there's internal continuity. And I can track that here and I can track Dr. Hurt as that character in Batman R.I.P., but the link between them two is, uh, between those two as the same character gets really murky for me because the motivations yeah. are different, even though they're, they look the same, you know, they're the same character. But there doesn't seem to be a st- strong continuity between their motivations and who they say they are.
0: I wonder if that's, like, a part of the story that evolved as he was writing this, like, because we know right. it's supposed to be a short story originally, and it expanded. But I also, like, you know, in R.I.P., he says, like, what we're doing here is nothing short of the complete ruination of, like, you know, a, a person's soul, like you're saying. And I wonder if, like, we have learned that Dark Side like, needs that, you know. And he also right, says yeah. in Return of Bruce Wayne 6, I think that, like, Barbados needs that. Like, you know, I, I forget what exactly the dialogue was, but we learned that, like, you need to... Re- oh, it was actually, I think it was Return of Bruce Wayne 5 when we were learning about them... Like uh, the woman pretending to be Martha Wayne to like assassinate the father in the like the snuff film because ruining a person's reputation is what their soul is tied to, and when right. you you need to destroy their reputation to get their soul, and I think that they were trying to destroy the soul to like you know raise Barbados. So I wonder if retroactively we could justify, and I'm I don't I don't know, but I think your your point is exactly accurate. There is a, a lack of continuity. So the best explanation I could do would be like they were trying to crush Batman's spirit and soul and reputation and RIP to kind of do the same thing he's doing here, which is to, you know, summon Barbados or Darkseid or something.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, now as you were speaking, it occurred to me like maybe that the Black Hand was a foil to do that, and he was just trying to make Bruce his, like... Sacrifice. Yeah, it's essentially like a demonic sacrifice for a pact like he was trying to, he picked Bruce specifically because Bruce is so strong, strong-willed and can like convert bad to good in his engine of his heart. And so he's like, kind of the, like if you're, when you sacrifice to a deity, I imagine you want to honor them with the best sacrifice you mm-hmm. can give. Bruce is this optimum man, would yeah. be the most prime intact human spirit to corrode and corrupt and break. And so uh, that that tracks... It's just, I guess, with timelines changing, you know. No, I'm
2: with you. I, I kind of take it as the um, the the connective tissue there is that the fact they he had to let Bruce he couldn't kill him Bruce as a child because he had to like kind of let the fruit ripen. Yeah. Um, um, get it to the point where he is the ultimate man
0: before so, to make the sacrifice really potent. Um, right or what you actually you saying just made me think that like also if he had killed him as a child he wouldn't have grown up and gone back in time and done the stuff that informs thomas wayne so like thomas wayne's existence is 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 contingent on bruce becoming an adult and then going on this journey that like sends the hyper adaptive backwards which is what you know then he uses for eternal life so like if he killed young bruce he would be Cutting off his connection to that eternal youth, just within this, but yeah, oh. there is a def- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a different change in motivation. It seems like for him between you know this story and, and RIP.
1: You know, reading the El Penitente aspect of his psyche from just like oh, he's like narcissistic and disappointed that he lost mm-hmm. in their first round fight in Batman RIP, like that seemed a little weird but maybe it's like actual penance to his god like he failed to do the Um, sacrifice the first time so he's like whipping himself to make him worthy to go at it again which in this attempt he again fails but he gets closer you know he gets bruce to where he wants him to be in this and this whole thing is like a ritual he wants bruce to come back during the midnight mass or, or right. eclipse or whatever. And so maybe he was like penitent specifically. Cause he was like, I failed my evil bat God the first right. time, the second time I'll do you better. Um, which would make, you know, if it was just like a, on a material level, like, Oh, I just, my great attack was, you know, I was like, well, every villain has
0: to be right. Right. Out. Right. Right. No one else is yeah. whipping W's into their back patties. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, Next to their butt neck.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, that, that, you know, Again, I'm always willing to backcast intention into Morrison's work because right, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. biased as fuck. But uh, that tracks to me, and you know, sits a little better in my mind.
0: Roman looks like he's chewing on an idea over there. Yeah, what do you got, I, I'm, no, I'm
2: not really. I'm just reading the uh, <clears throat> reading all all of Thomas Wayne's uh, original Thomas Wayne's dialogue here in the in his origin scene in in the underneath the barn with the the sacrifice and when the um, When Dark Side barbados the Hyper Adapter Omega Adapter (laughs) all shows up and win and we see Thomas become Simon Megus or jeez Simon Hurt. (laughs) It's such a great scene.
0: It is. Yeah. Uh, Also, just like the celebration of you know Bruce's return, it's. I guess I, I remember hoping there was going to be a little more catharsis originally. Cause like a, you know, a year and a half, you're like, we got to get Bruce home and here it's just like, we're home, but we got shit to do. But when you are <laughs> reading it much more quickly, like we have been, it is, it is pretty rad. I, I love their interplay of just sort of like, what's wrong with you. He's like, I got shot in the head. And he's like, Damien's in a Robin costume. He's like, yeah, there's been, a, it's been a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. just <laughs> uh, you know, Bruce is just like, okay, let's just roll with it for now.
1: Right. And like Bruce's, is- just went through kind of purgatory and hell, and so he's like he's pissed and has one thing on his mind, and it's defeating hurt, you know, right? Um, yeah, and the fact they're doing this,
2: and Dick the whole time they're in this fight, like has a concussion, and is right worried about a blood clot,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, Dick is tough, it's cool. Dick is tough. Um, I, I do love the transition to Chris Burnham's art, and his first pa- page on the entire book is this awesome, just like him sprinting down wayne manors hallway and i think that that is like a beautiful piece by him and it's almost just like a shot yeah and it's like i'm about to be the main artist on batman for the next good while you know through a little bit of upheaval but yeah he he locks it down i feel like that initial page is a great sort of like if you doubt me check this out
1: right yeah it's an awesome introduction to you know the next phase of artistic choices in this book
0: and like as bruce is chasing dr hurt you know beneath the bat cave which hurts had access to like speaking to the skill of the art batman needs to go into this vault because it sounds like that's where dr hurt is but it's a room filled with mirrors and holy shit if that's not a really hard thing to draw i bet i've only seen it drawn two (laughs) times in comics in this and then Tradmore in the new world by alish Scott, and i just like love those physical spaces of room mirrors but that's a lot of angles and shit um
1: yeah, it would be yeah. confusing.
0: Yeah, for sure. But that following page with Dr. Hurt yelling at him locked in that thing and his shadow casting the devil's shadow so well is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. He's, you know, I've asked, like, you know, how can we haven't seen Dr. Hurt? And I've commented on that, like, I don't think anyone could do him as well. Mm-hmm you know like he's not not a super interesting character removed from this whole like he so much of his character is contingent on the plot and i think that's actually why he like he can only really exist as a even though this is a very long multiple multiple part story like i think he can only really function in one story because he is kind of pan ultimate super evil and how can that thing fail multiple times without cheapening the whole story right and so I feel like he, Morrison almost wrote this character to live and to die within this story and to be kind of not to be picked back up as a rogue.
0: I think that's a very good point because yeah, it would be really hard for anyone other than who sort of baked all of the elements of who he is into his DNA to be able to tell a compelling story with that because it, it requires the context around it.
1: Right, like how could you put um, the devil slash dark side seed slashes? ancestor in arkham over and over and over again you know like at some point hurt's character is supernatural in a lot of ways so it'd be like it's a different type of character and
0: it's like is he really empowered by the devil if he keeps getting thrown in Arkham every time (laughs) like at some point returns there i'm just so glad we got justin back for an episode that has uh professor pig
1: oh yeah he's he's spooky um i remember being so like Full confession, I don't know how much I love Fraser Irving's art because it just makes me so uncomfortable. It's yeah. so <laughs> nightmarish and gross and like not realistic and yet super realistic in this right. weird. Ugh. Visceral, deep down lizard brain way. I don't know. It's
0: it's so perfect for this scene of this horrible like Professor Pig float with him dancing on this like horrible camera angles and this giant like <laughs> it seems like something out of Batman eighty nine or something like. For sure, for yeah, sure, the Joker,
2: Yeah,
0: it is so yeah, grotesque.
2: Just, like that panel that shows Pig with his. His shirt all unbuttoned, and everything, and he's like suddenly even fatter than last time, right? We saw him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just gross. He's just gluttony and ugh, so gross. Love him, but he's gross. He's a great like- villain. He's effective, but he's disgusting.
0: I like that the way that he's dispatched is that he's created this infectious, you know, withdrawal basically, you know, contagious addiction and we've talked about how horrifying that would be but all batman and robin need to say is like pig's got everything you need he's got the cure he's got the drug and they all turn mm-hmm. on him because the, you know at addiction's heart like you're gonna betray everyone around you so it doesn't matter if it's the father figure that created you like you're <laughs> gonna sell him to the pawn shop to make sure that you can go get a dime bag
1: right yeah. i love that and i love like you know morrison had like taking a clear observation of like what the ills of the real world is turned into like a super plot you know mm-hmm. like it isn't just like oh this vague gas that makes you insane like what would what would a really frightening thing was if you know like the addiction crisis in america uh, diseases of despair is like the real crazy pandemic of our time you know yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm glad actually we haven't had you on for one of the just a couple of issues where that's been a part of it but yeah I, I you know i think you would have a good awareness as well as i of just like how horrible and horrifying that thing is and the implications of it
1: right and i ultimately think that their addiction comes from like lack of childhood love in a lot of way like you're trying to fill a hole that isn't there you know fill fill all the holes in you where love should have been and that's a lot of like pigs whole thing yeah. the semi yep. Freudian elements and the like destined to recreate his own pain kind of thing and then it's also kind of crazy that the child his twisted children are the things that eat him up you know because that's like what he was to his weird iron monkey mother thing monkey mama <laughs> yeah. yeah and so there's you know his death is kind of emblematic of his whole life story um, yeah which is really well done
2: and on top of all of that his last <laughs> his last thing we hear from him is that that that, that big sweet
0: yeah i, dude, was, I knew you were gonna say that i was i stared extra long at that panel i was like roman is gonna love suey in there it's gonna go back to his like raised on back, a farm days. yeah 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 um, I mean,
1: roman just loves suey
0: he does i fucking forgot about that while uh, after reading it but I, I knew it was gonna be a roman thing we got got uh gordon showing up in a dollatron outfit because he doesn't have love any clothes it. love it doctor is, is or the, professor what's that
2: is that Professor Pig? Like, I just... think
0: so. Yeah. Yeah, so that was just. Alive. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I wonder if that's the kind of thing that like bothers Django or, or not, but this just sort of like, you know, Batman and Robin are like, B- Professor Pig's going down, and then just cut to, okay, Batman has gone to intensive care. We've got Professor Pig here in this panel. You know, it, there's a lot that's happened between those two panels. Yeah. And a couple of hours, even. Yeah.
2: Oh, it kind of bothered me because I was like, damn it, I, I would have rather had the, the more mysterious kind of um, threatening idea that, oh, maybe Pig was just torn apart by, his, by the people he, he, he uh, got addicted.
0: I guess, yeah, I mean, I would say if they wanted to take Professor Pig out of that picture of them at the police station, that would be maybe more interesting. The idea of him being torn apart and consumed by his dollatrons for sure. I can't remember, did he have tattoos? That guy doesn't have tattoos. Nope, he's just got a real hairy belly. Yeah, he's yeah. just got weird Fraser Irving hair and shadows. <laughs> Dude, the I think it is telling the shot of um Thomas Wayne looking into the glass cases of costumes and he's talking to Barb Batos and he says, Like, I live to be your weapon, give me a sign, and he sees an apparition of him reflected in the glass. And you know, which is I, also
1: Bruce's set, shadow. Yeah,
0: but I do think that that is like an important distinction because here he himself is speaking to a higher power, right? Yeah, so he's a like, servant. Yeah, exactly. So there's like a hierarchy there, which also takes some of the, the air out of his balloon. But that shot of his head getting busted through the glass is so perfect and so pretty and and looks as much as Chris Burnham can look like Frank quietly, I feel like
1: for sure it's brutal and gross but it's so satisfying like after everything that that motherfucker has done to bruce right. wayne like he just needs his face punched through a, a thing of glass um yeah Did, bruce bruce is pretty pissed
2: and i just realized it doesn't show between those scenes when we flash to a uh, uh dick and damien a- apprehending pig um we didn't see how uh bruce got out of that his old truth chamber because Pig slams him in there. But well, he's Batman, he escapes somehow.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. That is a little, I wouldn't mind having seen him get out of that.
1: I genuinely feel like there's two pages of content that have been accidentally editorially missed. Like the yeah. transition from the end of the kind of building street conflict, you know, there's always the like the mutiny that the villain creates and then fighting the specific mutant. And then there's also the transition of Bruce getting out of his, you know, Hurt's death trap, which is a thing that happens. Like, I feel like there's actual pages that could have gone missing, or Morrison had just had too much to say and was just well, like, oh, yeah.
0: 32 pages
2: this issue. Yeah. Yeah. As it is. Yeah. And it could be, though, the first thing Bruce says to Hurt after he smashes his face through the through the glasses, you really thought you could tra- trap me in a prison
0: I built? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, are you thinking of that as the the mirror Maybe that's, that he was in, or the metaphorical larger life prison that he was trapped in by Hurt? Um,
2: well, could be both, but it also could be uh, Morrison's way of saying, okay, yeah, Bruce escaped from that
0: chamber. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, I didn't interpret it that way, but you're right, that could be uh, an right. easy way of saying it. I built I that, that it, mirrored room.
1: <laughs> I think that, that it is probably the literal act <laughs> like mechanical thing of it but when i read it i didn't think about bruce being trapped in the mirror room and so i was just like oh this he's obviously talking about this like time loop thing right right you know and i was like D- how, did bruce build time and then this, <laughs> I, it makes it makes more sense it's like oh no he was literally trapped in a room there for a second yeah although if
0: you look at it oh wait never mind okay sorry i I thought that the him smashing his face into the glass happened before going in the mirror room and he got out but yeah you're right i bet it was the literal thing like you're saying i i was so head up my own metaphorical butthole that i was like yeah this whole thing and you can't trap him in the life problem like he built his own life as a weapon you can't do that Um, i do love like as he you know dr hurt's getting more and more grotesque and bloody like he's crazy guys like i don't i'm not convinced he doesn't think that he is batman's dad like i i don't i'm not convinced that you know he doesn't know that he's not
1: yeah i think he is absolutely like schizophrenically shattered he's got multiple timelines and multiple lives like that guy doesn't have an, an internal continuity at all right you know he cannot distinguish between him being the devil thomas wayne The ancestor, Thomas Wayne, the the dad. Like I think that guy is just so fucked up and shattered on the inside. He to him, you know, he's he's all of those things. And I kinda think that the breaking the glass was shattering the glasses metaphoric of that shattered sense of self. Like
0: Yeah, that's a great point
1: very specific that he's looking in the mirror there's a vanity to that character he's seeing who what he wants to see and then bruce is breaking the illusion of like yeah, you're no, you know you identity not. yeah oh you're yeah you're not the thing that you have told me that you are that you know you've kind of successfully convinced me that i that i that you are but yeah. i literally crawled through to the end of the universe and back and now i know the truth
0: yeah um, that's a that's an awesome metaphor read i love that so okay we then get Dr. Hurt escaping out of this room, going out of the graveyard, slipping on the banana peel by the Joker. and oh, This is my favorite part of the whole run. And I, I remember originally Morrison being like, you know, the Joker is like the embodiment of the joke. And then the banana peel is like the original joke. So it's like him being foiled by the original joke. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I do like that. But this read through in Batman and Robin 15, when Joker does do the thing about the big mics are the bananas that are particularly slippery and then the mic conversation being compared to the the archangel michael or no right who then led the first assault on yeah. satan and then the and then joker in issue 15 refers to the very first joke and in the, in the very first fall being satan's fall from heaven I just didn't have right. the biblical tie of it the first time I read it. And I was just like, oh, it's just Joker because he's the primal entity of joke and that, you know, like that oneness. But using the metaphor of the the first fall of, you know, the devil and then him creating the second fall of the devil. And, yeah, like that, I was like, oh, that's way more impressive on this read than the one I did 10 years ago.
1: Right. It's like this is the mic drop this is the ultimate joke like there's a, a layer of reading it as a joke because it's like the classical joke it's kind of the mic drop it's mikhail dropping satan down into hell it is you know it and then it's the devil falling twice is so fucking
0: cool yeah I, and just like that the first joke being the first fall you know is just right. like yeah that damn you damn you
1: And I just love, like, Joker is fully realized himself again. Like, he's speaking really confidently. Like, no games, mano a mano. Bet you can't reach the gun before me, gambler. Like, just his, the way he speaks in this form of the Joker is so intimidating and in control.
0: And every word means something. Like, that's what I love, and I was thinking as I was reading this particular issue, is that when Morrison, like when, or when any great writer writes the Joker, they have this ability to make it sound like nonsense and also make it all clearly also seem like it means something. And you can just be pulled, like it's just this, the confidence of well-spoken insanity or someone who just doesn't care if you're understanding what they're saying because they know it. And I love that uh, speech pattern that he, he speaks within this.
1: Right. And I also wanted to bring up like, to me, I feel like, we get Morrison more through the Joker than we do through Batman. Like I think that I've always felt that Joker and Morrison have this strange affinity for each other because Morrison is kind of a trickstery figure. He's always sure. prodding and poking and with the rules of how you tell a story in the medium, you know, like screw you, I'm gonna make this like nine layered level time Batman story. Like he's always poking with the rules in comics. And, like, I, I've always felt that there's this distinctly Morrison voice that speaks to the Joker, and here, when he does this, like, I feel like, you know, a lot of us like to make ourselves Batman in these scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's the, the reader likes to project himself into the protagonist. I feel right. like Morrison really has fun being in the Joker's position and body.
0: I totally agree, and I think that it also makes sense, because, like, so much of what... Grant Morrison says and does and talks about, like, many people, many people just write him off and just, like, that dude does drugs. Or, like, right. that dude's crazy. <laughs> and I think there is that element of the Joker, like, that confident insanity of just, like, well, I'm going to keep saying my thing, whether you get it or not. I don't care if you get it or not. Um, But Doc Walk also, like, draws a very bloated metaphor, Morrison embodying the Joker and Alan Moore embodying Dr. Hurt. And he explains it with a bunch of metaphorical reasons and and i don't you know i think that's a totally fine read i don't think that there was like a huge amount of like morrison being like, i don't think he's that petty of like i'm i'm writing to embody alan as dr hurt and me as the joker antagonizing him but um it, it was an interesting read i don't know if you read that roman i yeah i, I read it that in, somewhere it's in, and... it's in that dr walker one of the yeah. two explanations at the end of this and and i'm like i don't know yeah i can see that but i also don't think that that's morrison doesn't seem that antagonistic to me but it did you know identify him as a joker type and i don't know if i see as many threads between alan and yeah i don't hurt i don't see that many either because he brings up also like
2: uh the beard hunter for doom patrol and how yeah. that was so so solid obviously a, like cutting on morrison and i don't know i think oh yeah more 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 has a huge beard but it's not that <laughs> big a thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean,
0: I don't know how much Morrison carries that beef around with him. So
1: yeah, I'll
0: yeah. cool. oh, go ahead. I
1: was going to say I've read like the doom patrol beard hunter thing seems a little more meta aware of their dynamic, but like, and I think there are a lot of things that Morrison clearly writes in dialogue with Alan Moore before they're kind of nasty Rivalry okay, right because like clearly morrison was inspired by Moore, but at this point like I don't get any traces of any morian Type of storytelling at all like grant morrison at this point in 2010 Is fully morrison he's an established writer like I think yeah. There's a hardcore turn after invisibles, you know, yeah. where morrison doesn't need to be compared to alan moore at all They're right. separate writers. There's no similarities like morrison has fully evolved into a different writer um and so I don't. I haven't read the the Cody Walker piece, but that doesn't seem to.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, to yeah, it. and and I agree. I mean, heck, even experience wise, I mean, Morrison was publishing comic book work for publishers like before Moore's first published work. I mean, okay. Morrison is kind of the. He's well and well on established.
1: Right. I don't like to put them as hero and villain, but Morrison is definitely the <laughs> the magician of my heart. Um,
2: um, but. T- can we talk about yeah. um, this? The, the sequence after Hurt slips on the banana peel and cracks his head on the cement. There, um, Joker starts to bury him, puts him mm. in a coffin, and that final, because we're we're looking, we're in the coffin, and then we pull the camera pulls out and above Joker standing on the coffin, and then that last panel is so interesting because it's Joker's looking up at the sky laughing. But his surroundings have become, the trees have formed a circle and kind of an eye almost with the coffin he's standing on being the the pupil of the eye, the center of the eye, and it's, it's so... I don't know what it means,
0: but it's really cool. It's, I it feel like reminds it's me the, of that M. C. Escher painting of him looking at the orb yeah. and then drawing his reflection in the orb. But the oh, way yeah. that light bends around it, it's like an extreme fisheye lens. Sorry, Justin, what were you going to say? Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just going to say it also kind of reminds me of the eclipse theme that happens here. And oh the, yeah yeah. The, it's oh. a period as well. Like it's, it's also like a black
0: a... hole in this circle. Like it's right.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. the a hole
0: in all in the things. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. buried alive yeah. in a hole in things.
2: And maybe an implication that Joker is the one that has, like, ultimately controlled reality
1: here and not hurt. <laughs> well, because he's the chaos that breaks everything. Like, I, I yeah. love that it's, like, I beat you in cards because he had the whole card game that he was yeah. playing, like, fooling the, the, kind of foiling the plot. I beat you at chess. I beat you at, like, the checkerboard theme that he used throughout that thing. And then mm-hmm. didn't I warn you, Doctor? joker trumps deuce because he's the second son or the 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 parallel mirrored image he's like the the, dark twin yeah the dark twin and then uh the mexican train ride is over and the bones are in the yard ladies and gents i thank you and good night and the final domino isn't that called the dead man's bones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so like that he's a literal and metaphorical dead man like he's over is so cool i just yeah and the dots on the
2: top of the coffin right yeah
1: Looked like the, yeah. Yeah. So that's he um, saved his final domino for the, the dead man's bone to finally put Hurt in the ground. It's Dude, the
0: scene so of Hurt's hand cool. coming out of the water with the domino sitting in it right there is so choice. Like it is just <laughs> yeah. such a great panel. Another just great Burnham image. Guys so cool. How do we feel about or do you remember how you felt at the time, this Batman Incorporated idea? I was like, hmm.
2: Well, at the time I thought this issue. Was- I was definitely way more confused than I am on this read through. And, and I kind of thought this final issue, this denouement was, I was a little disappointed. I was like, Oh, well, that was nonsensical and I don't quite get it, but it was beautiful art.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, there were more layers to the metaphor for the actual climax of the story than I appreciated. And I do remember not feeling let down but feeling kind of like I did at the end of Mr. Miracle recently, where I was just like, that was really good. But I think that the, it'll take a relationship with time for me to, uh, uh, to really kind of create a lot of meaning out of this ending. Um, and so, you know, I, it took 10 years, but I have books that I haven't finished yet that are in my house. Cause I know that when I finish them, it's going to be the right time that I did it, you know, like, um, so, So yeah, I had a little bit of that in this final issue of it. But this end of the Incorporated, like in the beginning of the Incorporated stuff, I remember being relatively apprehensive about it.
1: Me too. I did not like Bruce kind of pulling the Iron Man move. Right. Right yeah uh, like he doesn't say he's batman but if you're funding batman with your family you might as well be kind of telling everyone with that your you're batman
0: ward <laughs> who's the same age as the first robin who left right. and now looks conspicuously like the second i mean yeah it was all a little too on the and morrison i remember him saying that he's like yeah i'm kind of excited to play with that and just sort of you know i, I remember in early issues of batman incorporated people being like well you're batman and him being like well yeah, maybe yeah, no no you know, like just kind of like playing with people. So, you know, that that's cool. But, yeah, I do. I remember being like, I don't necessarily love this idea of there being a whole bunch of Batman and Batman going off. I, I
2: Yeah, I was worried for those reasons. I mean, I kind of like the idea of him putting his, his money behind a huge, like, infor- well, crime prevention tactic. I mean, I was yeah. hoping it would lead to more, like, him funding like social programs clean water at least for coffee or something and and instead it was just kind of more of a quote-unquote comic book level like oh there's just gonna be agents of the bat everywhere
1: (laughs) yeah i do like bruce's like it's an evolution of his character like he you know i think that we all can agree that this book was kind of bruce's apotheosis like the a man becoming a demigod. yeah Yeah, a god and so like what does a god do is he kind of rules his kingdom and so bruce is like going into the geopolitical like batman is a a force that's everywhere right and so I, i can see that like him expanding his dominion you know i think that bruce is such a high caliber human being and such a force to be reckoned with that maybe at this point of his like personal elevation like he's bigger than Gotham you know Mm -hmm. he like batman's what is his prime goal is to like ultimately defeat crime so if he can have his family stay in gotham in the local he can take the kind of take on the planetary idea of crime
0: yeah and And it was all yeah
1: a little kind of goofy and not very bruce and it felt all to me very informed by like the things that happened in recent marvel history during this decade of like superheroes being very public um you know, and I remember the first few issues of Batman Inc. being really skeptical until yeah. it finally kind of gets into what it ends up, I think the run ends up being about.
0: Right. Yeah, I think in his attempt to sort of establish it as a new tone, I was skeptical of it for sure. And, but I do like, like you're saying, I like the read of it being like sort of becoming a bat demigod or, you know, like a, a more holistic, informed and healthy, balanced person, right? R was Batman without Bruce. And then this is sort of putting the Bruce as a key component of Batman. So a more balanced thing, but it also then reminds me of that quote that I've heard you say several times, which is like the, the, you know, the best combat for the abuse of power is the ethical use of power. And like, this is kind of Bruce doing that. And there's also that kind of like, you know, if you end up at a bar and you tell somebody that you work at a comic shop, they're going to be like, why does Batman not use his money to just do something good to actually help people? um and it's yeah. like you know that it's just kind of like a it's just a really easy thing that people always bring up when they want to have a hot take about batman and i think this is you know batman incorporated is is sort of a response to that question of like okay well here's what batman does if he is going to try and do that or if you know bruce wants to use his money
1: right i i also can't help but feel like there's a war in the middle east metaphor as well like at this point we were nine oh. years or ten years into the yeah the forever war yeah you know and so it starts off with like kind of an anti-terrorist, the beginning of that has that. So I wonder if this is like Morrison trying to address that we live in a multipolar world and that we're involved in geopolitics and how would Batman face our modern era?
2: It's Also kind of a little bit of a outgrowth of, uh, I think, of, um, you know, Batman being broken and being reborn and everything becoming this, godlike new god in a way um For sure. and, and part of him doing that was was his uh realization finally that he's not alone fear ha- or what's his name hurt has that great line in here about i think something about the fear of loneliness is the greatest fear and mm-hmm. batman's overcome that because now he's found out through experience that he's not alone and kind of this idea of batman incorporated as he extends that idea and goes okay well Batman doesn't have to be an, an alone a solitary concept, so I'm going to extend that He's a across the world. Yeah, yeah, network, Bat socialism. Yeah.
0: And Roman, <laughs> that's really interesting because that line that you just referenced is actually a reference to Doctor Hurt, Simon Hurt's very first issue in like one sixty three or whatever. But that line of dialogue is what he says when Batman goes into the isolation experiment originally. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, great great issue, guys. I just was flipping through Batman the Return, and I'm like, dang. Okay, like, Batman Incorporated, the first, like, eight issues were a bit of a stall for me, like we were just saying, but then I really think once it renumbered and everything, um, it really found its voice, and when it stopped being rotating artists, it was just Burnham. I Mm -hmm. I really liked it from there on out, Um, but I didn't, like, the overarching villain and plot of that, I think there's a lot more nuance to than i got when i read it originally as we're discovering with all of these things but yeah like leviathan i that all of that and who that is and everything yeah. i think is way more brilliantly seeded than i realized at the time so pretty excited for that yeah. whole third of things
1: yeah yeah kind of issue six through almost to the end of the whole thing i think is a really high caliber way different thing than this run it's right. a little more fun but equal you know almost as brilliant because like after rereading return of bruce wayne and how that kind of sheds a light on this whole run i think that this is a lot deeper than than we initially gave it credit for yeah. like it's as complex as rip um but yeah yeah i'm excited to also reread you know what goes on and incorporated from different lenses that i have now that i didn't have then Exactly. Because Morrison is playing with lots of uh, toy boxes, you know. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, boys, we did it. We get to put the old book, or the old Second Omnibus, on the shelf.
1: Mm-hmm. It's. It feels good. This is like the. Uh, we're at the end of the Two Towers, you know, and now it's time to
0: switch to the Return of the King. Yeah. Ah. Oh, <laughs> great. Great comparison. Love those books. Um. Well, okay, everybody, I think, uh, check for us later in the week, we should be up on Friday and we'll do an episode decompressing our feelings and then answering a handful of emails that we've gotten, uh, in the last week. So this one went a little bit long. And then there was that whole technology snafu. So gosh, I hope it all <laughs> works out, but, uh, guys, thanks for being here. Good Lord. Thanks for going on this journey. I can't believe we're two thirds of the way through this. Holy shit.
1: I can't believe that it is fall.
0: Yeah, we started this in the throes of early summer. Yeah, even late <laughs> late spring. Even. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Wow, it's yeah. late spring. Because uh, I
1: remember one of the early episodes, it was like pouring rain. And I was like, when is it going to get sunny? So, <laughs> and that came and gone.
0: Well... This was episode 52. We'll see you all for 53 in a couple of days for a chill, hey, what have we learned episode. And on behalf of uh, Roman and Justin, I am Jeff. And we're Batman in Quarantine. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for watching.